1: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort.
0: Tonight, I will be reading The Magic Apples by Abby Farwell Brown. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. It is not very amusing to be a king. Father Odin often grew tired of sitting all day long upon his golden throne in Valhalla above the heavens. He wearied of welcoming the near heroes whom the Valkyries brought him from wars upon the earth and of watching the old heroes fight their daily deathless battles. He wearied of his wise ravens and the constant gossip which they brought him from the four corners of the world. And he longed to escape from everyone who knew him to some place where he could pass for a mere stranger Instead of the great king of the Aesir, the mightiest being in the whole universe, of whom everyone was afraid. Sometimes he longed so much that he could not bear it. Then he would run away. He disguised himself as a tall old man with white hair and a long grey beard. Around his shoulders he threw a huge blue cloak that covered him from top to toe, and over his face he pulled a big slouch hat to hide his eyes for his eyes Odin could not change no magician has ever learned how to do that one was empty he had given the eye to the giant pamir in exchange for wisdom usually odin loved to go upon these wanderings alone for an adventure is a double adventure when one meets it single-handed it was a fine game for odin to see how near he could come to danger without feeling the grip of its teeth. But sometimes, when he wanted company, he would whisper to his two brothers, Nair and Red Loki. They three would creep out of the palace by the back way, and with a finger on the lip to Heimdall, the watchman, would silently steal over the rainbow bridge which led from Asgard into the places of men and dwarfs and giants. Wonderful adventures they had, these three, with Loki to help make things happen. Loki was a sly, mischievous fellow, full of his pranks and his capers, not always kindly ones. But he was clever as well as malicious, and when he had pushed folk into trouble, he could often help them out again, as safe as ever. He could be the jolliest of companions when he chose, and Odin liked his merriment and his witty talk. One day, Loki did something which was no mere jest, nor easily forgiven, for it brought all Asgard into danger, and after that, Father Odin and his children thought twice before inviting Loki to join them in any journey or undertaking. This, which I am about to tell, was the first really wicked deed of which Loki was found guilty though I am sure his red beard had dabbled in secret wrongs before. One night, the three high gods, Odin, Heneir and Loki, stole away from Asgard in search of adventure. Over mountains and deserts, great rivers and stony places, they wandered until they grew very hungry. But there was no food to be found, not even a berry or a nut. Oh, how footsore and tired they were, and oh, how faint. The worst of it ever is that, as you must have often noticed, the heavier one's feet grow, the lighter and more hollow becomes one's stomach, which seems a strange thing when you think of it. If only one's feet became as light as the rest of one feels, folk would fairly fly with hunger. Alas, this is not so. The three Aesir drooped and drooped, and seemed on the point of starvation, when they came to the edge of a valley. Here, looking down, they saw a herd of oxen feeding on the grass. Ola, shouted Loki, behold our supper. Going down into the valley, they caught and killed one of the oxen, and building a great bonfire, hung up the meat to roast. Then the three sat round the fire and smacked their lips, waiting for the meat to cook. They waited for a long time. Surely it is done now, said Loki at last, and he took the meat from the fire. Strange to say, however, it was raw as ere the fire was lighted. What could it mean? Never before had meat required so long a time to roast. They made the fire brighter and rehung the beef for a thorough basting, cooking it even longer than they had done at first. When again they came to carve the meat, they found it still uneatable. Then indeed, they looked at one another in surprise. What can this mean? cried Loki with round eyes. There is some trick, whispered Hanyr, looking round as if he expected to see a fairy or a witch meddling with the food. We must find out what this mystery betokens, said Odin thoughtfully. Just then, there was a strange sound in the oak tree under which they had built their fire. What is that? Loki shouted, springing to his feet. They looked up into the tree, and far above in the branches near the top, they spied an enormous eagle, who was staring down at them, and making a strange sound as if he were laughing. Ho-ho, croaked the eagle, I know why your meat will not cook. It is my doing, masters. The three isere stared in surprise. Then Odin said, sternly, Who are you, master eagle, and what do you mean by those rude words? Give me my share of the ox and you shall see, rasped the eagle in his harsh voice. Give me my share and you will find that your meat will cook as fast as you please. Now the three on the ground were nearly famished, so although it seemed very strange to be arguing with an eagle, they cried as if in one voice, Come down then, and take your share. They thought that, being a bird, he would want but a small piece. The eagle flapped down from the top of the tree. Dare me what a mighty bird he was, eight feet across the wings with the smallest measure, and his claws were as long and strong as ice hooks he fanned the air like a whirlwind as he flew down to perch beside the bonfire. Then, in his beacon claws, he seized a leg and both shoulders of the ox and started to fly away. Hold, thief, roared Loki angrily, when he saw how much the eagle was taking. That is not your share. You are no lion, but you are taking the lion's share of our feast. Be gone, scarecrow, and leave the meat as you found it. Thereat, seizing a pole, he struck at the eagle with all his might. Then a strange thing happened. As the great bird flapped upward with his prey, giving a scream of malicious laughter, the pole which Loki still held stuck fast to the eagle's back, and Loki was unable to let go of the other end. Help, help, he shouted to Odin and to Henaer, as he felt himself lifted off his feet but they could not help him. Help, he screamed, as the eagle flew with him, now high, now low, through brush and bog and briar, over treetops and the peaks of mountains. On and on they went, until Loki thought his arm would be pulled out like a weed torn up by the roots. The eagle would not listen to his cries nor pause in his flight until Loki was almost dead with pain and fatigue. Hark you, Loki, screamed the Ego, going a little more slowly. No one can help you except me. You are bewitched, and you cannot pull away from this pole, nor loose the pole from me, until I choose. But if you will promise what I ask, you shall go free. Then Loki groaned. O Ego, only let me go, and tell me who you really are, and I will promise whatever you wish. The eagle answered, "I am the great Theasa, the enemy of the Aesir. But you ought to love me, Loki, for you yourself married a giantess." Loki moaned, "Oh yes, I dearly love all my wife's family, great Theasa. Tell me what you want of me." "I want this," quoth Theasa gruffly. "I am growing old, and I want the apples, which Idun keeps in her golden casket." to make me young again. He must get them for me. Now these apples were the fruit of a magic tree, and were more beautiful to look at and more delicious to taste than any fruit that ever grew. The best thing about them was that whoever tasted one, be he ever so old, grew young and strong again. The apples belonged to a beautiful lady named Adun, who kept them in a golden casket. Every morning, the seer came to her to be refreshed and made over by a bite of her precious fruit. That is why in Asgard no one ever waxed old or ugly. Even Father Odin, heir and Loki, the three travellers who had seen the very beginning of everything when the world was made, were still sturdy and young. And so long as Idun kept her apples safe, the faces of the family who sat about the table of Valhalla would be rosy and fair like the faces of children, oh friend giant, cried Loki, you know not what you ask. the apples are the most precious treasure of Asgard, and Idun keeps watch over them as if they were dearer to her than life itself. I never could steal them from her theasa, for at her call all Asgard would rush to the rescue, and trouble would buzz about my ears like a hive of bees let loose. Then you must steal a herself, apples and all. For the apples I must have, and you have promised Loki to do my bidding. Loki sniffed and thought, thought and sniffed again. Already his mischievous heart was planning how he might steal a away. He could hardly help laughing to think how angry the Aesir would be when they found their beauty medicine gone forever. But he hoped that When he had done this trick for Theasa, now and then the giant would let him have a nibble of the magic apples, so that Loki himself would remain young long after the other seer were grown old and feeble. This thought suited Loki's malicious nature well. I think I can manage it for you, Theasa, he said craftily. In a week, I promise to bring Adun and her apples to you, but you must not forget the great risk which I am running nor that I am your relative by marriage. I may have a favour to ask in return, Theasa. Then the eagle gently dropped Loki from his claws. Falling on a soft bed of moss, Loki jumped up and ran back to his travelling companions, who were glad and surprised to see him again. They had feared that the eagle was carrying him away to feed his young eaglets in some far-off nest. Ah, uh, you may be sure that Loki did not tell them who the eagle really was, nor confess the wicked promise which he had made about Idun and her apples. After that, the three went back to Asgard, for they had had adventure enough for one day. The days flew by, and the time came when Loki must fulfill his promise to Theasa. So one morning... He strolled out into the meadow where Idun loved to roam among the flowers. There he found her, sitting by a tiny spring, and holding her precious casket of apples on her lap. She was combing her long golden hair, which fell from under a wreath of spring flowers, and she was very beautiful. Her green robe was embroidered with buds and blossoms of silk in many colours, and she wore a golden girdle about her waist. She smiled as Loki came, and tossed him a posy, saying, "'Good morrow,' red Loki. "'Have you come for a bite of my apples? "'I see a wrinkle over each of your eyes, which I can smooth away.' "'Nay, fair lady,' answered Loki politely. "'I've just nibbled of another apple, which I found this morning. "'Verily, I think it is sweeter and more magical than yours.' Idun was hurt and surprised. That cannot be, Loki, she cried. There are no apples anywhere like mine. Where found you this fine fruit? And she wrinkled up her little nose scornfully. I will not tell anyone the place, chuckled Loki, except that it is not far in a little wood. There is a gnarled old apple tree, and on its branches grow the most beautiful red-cheeked apples you ever saw, but you can never find it. I should like to see these apples, Loki, if only to prove how far less good they are than mine. Will you bring me some? That I will not, said Loki teasingly. Oh no, I have my own magic apples now, and folk will be coming to me for help instead of to you. Idun began to coax him as he had guessed that she would. Please, please, Loki, show me the place. At first, he would not. For he was a sly fellow and knew how to lead her on. At last, he pretended to yield. Well, then, because I love you, Idun, better than the rest, I will show you the place if you will come with me. But it must be a secret. No one must ever know. All girls like secrets. Yes, yes, cried Idun eagerly. Let us steal away now while no one is looking. This was just what Loki hoped for. Bring your own apples, he said, that we may compare them with mine, but I know mine are better. I know mine are the best in all the world, returned Idun, pouting. I will bring them to show you the difference. Off they started together, she with a golden casket on her arm, and Loki chuckled wickedly as they went. He led her for some distance, further than she had ever strayed before. And at last she grew frightened. Where are you taking me, Loki? she cried. You said it was not far. I see no little wood, no old apple tree. It is just beyond, just a little step beyond, he answered. So on they went. But that little step took them beyond the boundary of Asgard, just a little step beyond, into the space where the giants lurked, and waited for mischief. Then there was a rustling of wings and whirr. Down came Theasa in his eagle dress. Before Idun suspected what was happening, he fastened his claws into her girdle and flapped away with her, magic apples and all, to his palace in Jotunheim, the land of giants. Loki stole back to Asgard, thinking that he was quite safe and that no one would discover his villainy. At first, the dune was not missed. But after a little, the gods began to feel signs of age and went for their usual bite of her apples. Then they found that she had disappeared, and a great terror fell upon them. Where had she gone? Suppose she should not come back. The hours and days went by, and still she did not return. Their fright became almost a panic. Their hair began to turn grey, and their limbs grew stiff and gouty so that they hobbled down Asgard's streets. Even Freya, the loveliest, was afraid to look in her mirror, and Baldur, the beautiful, grew pale and haggard. The happy land of Asgard was like a garden over which a burning wind had blown. All the flower faces were faded and withered, and springtime was turned into yellow fall. If Adun and her apples were not quickly found, the gods seemed likely to shrivel and blow away like autumn leaves. They held a council to inquire into the matter, endeavouring to learn who had seen Adun last and whither she had gone. It turned out that one morning, Heimdall, had seen her strolling out of Asgard with Loki, and no one had seen her since. Then the gods understood. Loki was the last person who had been with her. This must be one of Loki's tricks. They were filled with anger. They seized and bound Loki and brought him before the council. They threatened him with torture and with death unless he should tell the truth. And Loki was so frightened that finally he confessed what he had done. Then indeed, there was a horror in Asgard. Idun stolen away by a wicked giant, Idun and her apples lost, and Asgard growing older every minute. What was to be done? Big Thor seized Loki and threw him up in the air again and again so that his heels touched first the moon and then the sea. You can still see the marks upon the moon's white face. If you do not bring Idun back from the land of your wicked wife, you shall have worse than this, he roared. Go and bring her now. How can I do that? asked Loki, trembling. That is for you to find, growled Thor. Bring her, you must. Go. Loki thought for a moment, and he said, I will bring her back if Freya will loan me her falcon dress. The giant dresses as an eagle. I, too, must guise me as a bird, or we cannot outwit him. Then Freya hemmed and hawed. She did not wish to loan her feather dress, for it was very precious. But all the Aesir begged, and finally she consented. It was a beautiful great dress of brown feathers and grey, and in it Freya loved to skim like a falcon among the clouds and stars. Loki put it on, and when he had done so he looked exactly like a great brown hawk, only his bright black eyes remained the same glancing here and there so that they lost sight of nothing. With a whir of his wings, Loki flew off to the north, across mountains and valleys and the great river Rifing, which lay between Asgard and Giantland. And at last, he came to the palace of Theasa the Giant. It happened, fortunately, that Theasa had gone fishing in the sea and Idun was left alone, weeping and broken-hearted. Presently, she heard a little tap on her window, and looking up, she saw a great brown bird perching on the ledge. He was so big that Idun was frightened and gave a scream, but the bird nodded pleasantly and croaked. Don't be afraid, Idun. I am a friend. I am Loki, come to set you free. Loki. Loki is no friend of mine. He brought me here, she sobbed. I don't believe you came to save me. "'That is indeed why I'm here,' he replied. "'And a dangerous business it is "'if the Aster should come back before we start for home.' "'How will you get me out?' asked Idun doubtfully. "'The door is locked, and the window is barred.' "'I will change you into a nut,' said he, "'and carry you in my claws.' "'What of the casket of apples?' queried Idun. "'Can you carry that also?' "'Then Loki laughed long and loudly.' What welcome to Asgard do you think I should receive without the apples, he cried. Yes, we must take them indeed. Idun came to the window, and Loki, who was a skillful magician, turned her into a nut and took her in one claw, while in the other he seized the casket of apples. Then off he whirred out of the palace gardens and away toward Asgard's safety. In a little while, Diasa returned home, And when he found Idun and her apples gone, there was a hubbub, you may be sure. However, he lost little time by smashing mountains and breaking trees in his giant rage that fit was soon over. He put on his eagle plumage and started in pursuit of the falcon. Now an eagle is bigger and stronger than any other bird, and usually in a long race, he can beat even the swift hawk, who has an hour's start. Presently, Loki heard behind him the shrill scream of a giant eagle, and his heart turned sick. He had crossed the great river and already was in sight of Asgard. The aged Asir were gathered on the Rainbow Bridge, watching eagerly for Loki's return. And when they spied the falcon with the nut and the casket in his talons, they knew who it was. A great cheer went up, but it was hushed in a moment for they saw the eagle close after the falcon, and they guessed that this must be the giant Theasa, the Stealer of Idun. Then there was a great shouting of commands and a rushing to and fro. All the gods, even Father Odin and his two wise ravens, were busy gathering chips into great heaps on the walls of Asgard. As soon as Loki, with his precious burden, had fluttered weakly over the wall, Dropping to the ground beyond, the gods lighted the heaps of chips which they had piled, and soon there was a wall of fire over which the eagle must fly. He was going too fast to stop. The flames roared and crackled, but the asa flew straight into them with a scream of fear and rage. His feathers caught fire and burned, so that he could no longer fly, but fell headlong to the ground inside the walls. Then Thor, the Thunderlord, and Tyr, the mighty war-king, fell upon him and slew him, so that he could never trouble the seer any more. There was a great rejoicing in Asgard that night, for Loki changed Dune, again, to a fair lady, whereupon she gave each of the eager gods a bite of her life-giving fruit so that they grew young and happy once more, as if all these horrors had never happened. Not one of them, however, forgot the evil part which Loki had played in these doings. They hid the memory like a buried seed, deep in their hearts. Thenceforward, the word of Loki and the honour of his name were poor coin in Asgard, which is no wonder. Good night.